At the beginning of this month, I paid off the last of my unsecured debt. I also paid off one really embarrassing business bill that kind of impacted my personal money mindset issues. Like the fact that I let this bill linger really impacted these other things. For those of you who are new to me, I began paying off well over $60,000 in unsecured debt in earnest about eight years ago. The journey has been slow and steady with moments where I just stopped because I was just so freaking tired. And hitting this huge milestone for me, I thought it was important to recognize this achievement, but also to have a deeper conversation about how debt impacted a number of areas in my life that I truly didn't anticipate until I hit the $5,000 mark. Basically, I just I just had $5,000 to go. Before I get deeper into this conversation, I do want to share a disclaimer that I am not giving financial advice, the show is for entertainment purposes only, and that you must do your own due diligence before making any financial decisions. If you are a fan of the envelope system but are afraid of accidentally losing all your cash, Cube Money is a digital envelope app that is FDIC insured and uses a debit card. It's paired with one. It's super cool. For the past seven months, I've tested out Cube Money and have become a huge fan of this resource. If you're trying to keep your money organized, Cube Money is a great resource to use. I am an affiliate, so I do want to disclose that. decided to get serious about paying off my debt. I'd spent several years prior reading blogs about other people paying off their debt, and I have to admit, those stories really inspired me. And even though they were candid about their struggles and frustrations, nothing prepared me for how hard it would actually be to pay off all of my debt. I knew going in that I knew going into this journey that it would take a while. Fortunately, I had connected with a number of people who were in the process of going through their own long-term financial journeys. Some of these people were five years into or six years into it, or even seven years into their payoff journeys. In the past couple of weeks, I've thought long and hard about the following question. Was it worth it to sacrifice in the way that I did? And I have some thoughts. The question I want to talk about is, should you pay off all your debt? In the beginning of my financial journey, I had over 30 bills, easily over 30 bills. And I need to be candid and say that a lot of the details surrounding my debt and financial situation during that time has gaps in it. Like I I literally don't remember everything because I was under so much stress. Financial stress and obligations meant that I had to stay in a work situation longer than was healthy for me until I no longer physically could stay. Once I started having obvious anxiety attacks, constant migraines, and depression, my health and well-being was more important than staying in the job, so I took a leap of faith. I finally put in my notice after two years of trying to make the decision. I literally tried to make this decision for two freaking years. The second time around. At the time, I booked a plane ticket from Denver to LA, LA to Oahu, and then to Sydney, Australia. My last day at work was December 14th, 2014. 
That plane departed on December 16th, 2014. The fact that I remember this tells you something. By the way, I gave a four month notice, which I don't recommend, but I did that because I was the only person who worked on immigration for the international students in the program that I worked for. And honestly, I love those guys and I didn't want to screw them over by just quitting. And I, I really understood the impact of me leaving abruptly and how it could really negatively affect them and their lives. And I just couldn't do it. So I gave a long notice. Again, I don't, I don't recommend that. It actually took me a year to physically recover from the amount of stress that I was dealing with at work. I did not feel normal physically for almost a year after I quit. I'm convinced that if I hadn't been under so much stress, I probably wouldn't have made the next decision, which was I decided to work for myself. I wasn't a natural entrepreneur. I didn't have products that I could sell. All I could do at the time was provide services as a virtual assistant, a social media manager, and I did a host of other things. And I'm going to be honest, I hated it all. Around this time, I started a side hustle as a brand ambassador. And to this day, I am still so grateful for that job, the community community that I connected with and the friends that I made working those gigs. Because of the financial allies in that brand ambassador space who gave me extra hours, drove me to gigs, and told me about the new programs I could work, I was really able to build my business. So what about the debt? Well, at the time, it was still very much there. And it was so complicated. In fact, one of the conversations that personal finance influencers, in my view, really fail to address is how financial complexity really impacts one's ability to clean up a financial mess. It's one thing to pay off $40,000 when it's comprised of three bills that are in basically good standing. It's a totally different situation when you're dealing with over 30 creditors And you have some bills that are in arrears, others that have different interest rates, some have different levels of urgency. Basically, dealing with 30 versus three, this is just two different, two totally different ballgames. Making money in my business, interestingly enough, wasn't an issue, but cash flow really was. And building up consistent cash flow and the lack of that made paying off my debt a lot more challenging. So how was I paying it off? Well, I didn't really stick to one philosophy of debt repayment. And I'm going to say I used what I now call an energetic repayment system. I paid off the bills that stressed me out the most, you know, the ones that would keep me up at night people that I owed, companies that kept calling me, you get the drift. Anything that stressed me out like really badly, it had to go. And it wasn't always the smallest bill. It was just, it just depended. Sometimes I would snowball it. Sometimes I would snowflake it. Sometimes I would do the avalanche. Like I did everything. And in my view, the system that works is the system that that you stick with. And so when I hear people being so insistent on, well, you know, you have to, you know, pay the one with the highest percentage and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. You have to just focus on the system that you will actually stick with. Quite honestly, if you can't stick to the system with the highest interest rate, then it's not going to be impactful. Like your journey is not going to work. But if you can stick, but if you can stick to the 
this system where you focus on highest interest rate and then the next one and so on and so forth, fine. But at the end of the day, if you can't, if you can't be consistent and stick with it, it doesn't matter. So that's all I'm going to say on that. (laughs) And whenever possible, I would make a large payment and then just pay something off so that they would just leave me the hell alone. And I would do this over and over and over again. No one told me how I would change as a, just as a person during the process, that the role that I played in my friend groups would also change, or that I would become increasingly aware of how much being in acute financial distress impacted my self-esteem, my relationships, my health, and my choices. No one mentioned that it would take a while before I would begin to actually notice the impact of getting my money together. Like it, when I first started paying off my debts that like the first three years, I couldn't really tell the difference because I had so many debts, right? I would just pay things off and it just didn't feel like it was making a difference for a long time. And I think that's something that's important for people to hear. So if you're out there and you're like, Michelle, I'm, I'm like on this personal finance journey and I don't feel like it's making a difference. I was there. I get it. No one mentioned this. No one mentions that it takes a while to really feel the impact. So here's what I learned about money. My personal financial decisions weren't just impacted by ignorance, hubris, lack of clarity, and dumb financial moves. Many of my money decisions were also made because of fear of not being like everyone else, of being afraid of what they would do to me if I would if I couldn't repay a bill, of losing what little comforts I had. I learned that some of the struggles with money I was dealing with were really connected to the lack of government policy as well. Basically, I had no safety net but me, and it was really incredibly frightening. Earning more is not talked about enough. No one ever talked to me about how much I should earn. I just was talked to about learning to work. That's it. Like I was just just told to work. Those are two very different conversations, growing an income versus just working. Those are two different things. And if I want to get conspiracy theorists with you, I could go down a rabbit hole on that, but I'm not going to do that in this episode. I'm rolling that back in. Murphy's Law exists, and every single time I was close to hitting a major financial milestone, some crazy-ass shit would happen. I was served not one, not two, but three times to go to court over old credit card bills that I was trying to get paid off. And I would sit in the court and see all of the black, brown, and some poor white people sitting in court just looking so freaking defeated. And I completely understood. I was just too tired and overwhelmed to even do my due diligence on what to do in those situations. Like I didn't even have the energy to manage that. I was just like, I don't even know what the hell is going on. I'm just going to pay it and just move on. So I was getting closer to being done. And then I got served and my uh, debt grew because of those three bills. (sighs) And by the way, that $400 average Murphy's Law amount, it's a thing. It's real. So that $400 that people always talk about in talking points on financial shows about, you know, if an emergency came up for $400, most people wouldn't be able to pay it. 
that's a thing. I had my refrigerator break one year. I had my hot water heater break one year. I had to fix my my washing machine one year because I own my property. And typically is around 400 to $600. Like it's just every time. Or I had, you know, some other things come up and it was $400. It was always $400, always $400 freaking dollars. I'm not going to freak out right now, but I want to. Money is incredibly emotional for some people. That would be, that would be me. I'm some people. I have a lot of emotion connected to my money interactions. And honestly, there's a point when you just want to quit or keep going, like that you just have that crossroads and, and it, and they crop up over and over again. It's not like one time in a long debt repayment journey, it happens more than once. And each time you just have to sit there and be like, is this the day that I quit or I keep going or do I just take a break? And so I took breaks. I just, I just had to, I just had to, in order to sustain the goal and the focus. There are a lot of people out there with a lot of bad takes on money. There are, they are a distraction and it's important to ignore them. Each financial skill takes a lot of brain energy and focusing on several skills at one time is extremely difficult to do. The less I owed, the more my money seemed to grow. I'm just able to focus on being deliberate with my finances more and I'm not constantly in financial struggle mode, which was a huge distraction all the time. My first five-figure month. This month, I've earned over $10,000, and there's still a couple of weeks left in the month. I'm acutely aware of all of the hard work and sacrifice that I've done to get to this point. Opting to stay in my awkward property because even with carrying costs, it was affordable. Happily, I'm finally in the process to renovate it and give it a long overdue facelift. In fact, I stopped having guests because someone said something and it was really upsetting to me. And I was like, you know what? I can't have people come here and stay with me until I um, fix my property. My European friends never said anything. They were just like, this is great because there's only so much space in Europe. So it was always at a premium. So they never were judgmental. But my American friends were honestly a lot more judgmental about my place. And um, it made me very uncomfortable. And so something that I would normally do, which is host people, I just stopped. So I have not hosted anyone for a while now. And it was because of a comment that was made. And I know that they didn't mean to upset me, but it really did. Using a car share program saved me between $8,000 and $9,000 in car expenses a year. In fact, each year I use the car share program, I fall in love with it more and more, especially because I care about fossil fuels and sustainability. That's something that I've become very passionate about. But initially it was just a program that I was using so I could even have access to a car. Now I've just, I love it so much and I just wish everyone could do it. This year, I will admit that I'm using the service quite a bit for road trips, but honestly, I don't want to fly with you guys. You guys are crazy. And I'm, I'm not talking about the listeners of the show. I'm talking about Americans. You guys are nuts. I include myself in that. 
putting the brakes on overseas travel and just enjoying local travel throughout my state made a difference. I stayed in my favorite posh hostels and cute local boutique hotels that enabled me to travel to some of the nicest mountain towns in the world. Telluride is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place to go. Breckenridge is one of my favorite mountain towns. Uray, Salida, which is not quite a mountain town. It's like mountain town adjacent. So I basically was like, I can't go overseas right now because I will spend cash. So I stayed close to home and then there was a panorama. And so I had no choice about that anyway. I learned how to manage my wants and reimagined constantly how I could enjoy the same things while paying less. Basically, I focused on impact. Did what I was doing bring me joy? What was more important, the experience or the bling around the experience? Going to yoga, instead of having an ongoing yoga membership, I would go to free classes offered by my city. Then I would take a yoga on the rocks class at Red Rocks, which is amazing. If you ever come to Colorado, you have to go to Red Rocks for a concert or for a movie. It's just amazing. But going there for yoga and seeing Denver in the horizon is an incredibly fun experience. And I would do that once a month during the summer. And I loved that. It made a difference to me. Eventbrite and Facebook events became my best friends. I found so many cool free and low cost events to enjoy while on this journey. Did I want to watch a movie? Like if I wanted to go to a theater, which I stopped wanting to go to, but I still really enjoyed going to movies on the rocks. Again, I love Red Rocks. And in fact, Movies on the Rocks is where I saw Black Panther with a sold out crowd of 9,000 other fans. So those, instead of going to movies all year long, I would go to these special events and it would be so, it would just have this huge impact and it would be so fun. And I was watching this movie with thousands of other people in this beautiful venue. And there was a comic and a band. And I would spend $15 for an experience like that. I spent $15 and it was a whole night. And I still remember that experience to this day. I ate organic and still shopped at Whole Foods, but I would take advantage of the summer farmer's markets and go to the market right before it closed so I could get everything two for one. I applied for scholarships and grants. So anytime I could find free money, I put my, put my name down for it. And I also volunteered and spoke at conferences so that I could attend for free while growing my business and my platform. Here's the truth about long financial journeys. They can be very difficult to do. I 100% understand why people quit. I stalled out at the last $5,000 in 2019 and then COVID hit. It was funny. Like I just, I was, I was talking to a friend of mine, Jason Butler about that around that time. And he's like, Michelle. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Like I just, I stalled out and, um, I just had to give myself some grace. I was just tired. And then I got back to it. During these long journeys, people will change. And in fact, I've noticed that the habits that I've built throughout the years, they're very unlikely to go away. I've also noticed that I have financial PTSD connected to all of the stress connected to this debt journey. In fact, 
something that came up this spring and I had to, something came up this spring and I had to reach out to my friend Sandy to get her feedback on it. Like I was afraid to act on it because of the emotion that was connected to the situation. And it worked out because of her feedback. I was able to react unemotionally with time versus emotionally in the moment. You will lose friends and gain friends during the process. You're going to be changing and you'll discover your role in your friend group as you embrace your financial truths and changes. And in fact, recently, uh, the week that I'm recording this episode, there was this whole TikTok video about this group of friends who are going on a trip together. And they're talking about how, who's the one person who would ruin the trip. And a number of them brought up a girl named Brittany and how she was broke, how she was always broke. And that if anything didn't, if they weren't, if they weren't able to enjoy certain things, it would be because of her. And I, I felt so badly for her, to be honest, because I've been that girl. I've been that girl as well as other people in a friend group when it comes to money, but I've been that girl more than once. And it sucks because you want to be, you want to be a part of things, but really you shouldn't be because you can't afford it. But it's hard because it's like, how many things do you get to enjoy? It's one of those chicken before the egg situations. It sucks. So that is something to think about. You'll still make financial mistakes, but hopefully by the end, you'll be making fewer financial mistakes. I still make money mistakes. I'm not even going to pretend that I don't. Of course I do. Do I make as many as I did before? No. (laughs) It took a long time, but I figured it out. Um, But I still make mistakes. And I think that that's part of the reason why I'm still very empathetic with others and with the people who listen to my content and read my posts. And I get it. Like I'm not perfect. And in, in, in the U S in particular, there's so much to navigate through when it comes to money. So, um, yeah, I still make mistakes. So back to the question that I started with, was it worth it? The short answer is yes. Yes, all the struggle has been worth it, but I do think that there was an emotional cost for me that honestly, I'm still navigating and working my way through. I knew the journey was worth it while I was sitting in my home during a worldwide pandemic. I was at the tail end of paying off my unsecured debts, and I was completely not worried at all. I was earning more money. I had things under control. And really the biggest issue I had was don't die seriously, because it was a pandemic. Just stay healthy, protect yourself, protect your loved ones, loved ones. The years prior to 2020 paid off during the one year where I truly needed my financial house to be in order. I think about that sometimes. Now I very rarely get snail mail. I get no mail. I don't get emails about debt because in in the beginning of this journey, I was getting emails and text messages and calls and letters and oh my God, like it was horrible. It was horrible. I I had no peace. I was being bothered all day long, all the time. And in fact, because everything's paid off, when I get all those fraud calls that we all are getting right now, the fraud calls and the emails I know that they're fraud because I paid everything off. I know not to react to these things. I'm not under financial duress. 
I'm dealing with fewer people and entities and I freaking love it. My home feels lighter and I'm very careful and aware of my financial values. My Mac died after six years. So I bought my last Mac in 2016 and my Mac died recently. It was time. And I was able to just go to the Apple store and purchase the new one cash. Didn't even think twice about it. And that was, you know, I always bought them cash, but before I would be like, okay, how am I going to juggle this? Because I wasn't going to finance it. And this time I just walked in, just had it paid, picked it up and rolled on out. That was it. Easy. And that was great. It was a great feeling. I'll be able to invest and save at a significantly higher rate moving forward. Think a minimum of 30% of my income or more. Before, I just would never have been able to do any kind of savings more than, I'd say, probably 8, 8%, maybe 10 if I was lucky. My choices and opportunities have expanded significantly because I got rid of this mess. And finally, I feel like I'm on equal footing with the people around me and I'm really open to dating again and I'm comfortable having that the financial conversations you will eventually have when you're booed up with someone. My relationships in general are stronger with other people. Now, I still have two debts. One is just paying my butt <laughs> and the other is student loans. It's so much easier. The hard part is done. Now I just have to throw cash at this and just get it done. That's it. That's it. It took a long time. It took a long time to get to this point, but it was absolutely worth it. But if someone ever says to me, Michelle, I'm glad you were able to do it, but I just couldn't stick with it. I'll understand that too. So whatever you guys decide to do, I understand. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like this episode, please do make sure to like and subscribe, review it. I appreciate the support. Also, I am in the process of preparing to release my book, Not a Financial Unicorn. It's all about the fact that I am not a financial unicorn. My personal finance story is not sexy. If you want to keep up with that, please do sign up to stay in the loop and I will let you know when the pre-order goes live. That should be sometime at the beginning of August. So anyway, I am in the process of getting that book together. I'm very excited. Again, I'm not a financial unicorn. That's the name of the book. And thank you for listening to this episode. Whatever financial road you go on, I understand. I've been on both the road less traveled and the road trampled upon. Do what's best for you.